forecheck, backcheck, paycheck, bro. For the first time in their franchise history, the Columbus Blue Jackets have advanced in the Stanley Cup playoffs. There's the horn, the Colorado Avalanche has done it. Turns it ahead, good going alone. Williams looks to go forward with it. What an effort by Justin Williams once again tonight in a game seven. Wilson couldn't get his stick on the puck. Hurricanes keep it alive. Williams touch the net. Score! The Carolina Hurricanes win game seven. So 25, a forecheck, backcheck, paycheck. An interesting intro here, Sean, because the Jackets just got knocked off in overtime in Game 1. And the Lions, which is uh, tonight is the Super Bowl for the Lions. It is the NFL Draft, so Super Bowl Thursday to all my Lions fans. And we drafted a tight end at 8 overall because we can apparently never learn from our mistakes. So this has been a good night so far for both of us, no? Uh, a tough, A tough loss there, but... After recording last time, we're Jackets are playing with house money, right? So That's a great point. I mean, it's tough tough to see overtime after I, they had it locked up. Not locked up, but they were up with five minutes left. So um, this is a tough one to swallow, but luckily it's going right along with your prediction. Yeah, so. we'll get into that a little bit, the way I kind of see this series going. Uh, if I'm a Jackets fan, I'm not really shaking in my boots yet. You know, like they say, you're not really in trouble till you lose a game at home. Uh, and they played like shit and still found a way to get the game to overtime. So... That's kind of yeah, best case scenario. Absolutely. But I'll tell you what, before we get on to that one, I think we got to talk about probably the craziest two weeks of hockey I've ever seen. This Easily, has, actually. has to be the craziest first round playoff of any major sport in history with what happened. There's no it, way. It, it had everything. Absolutely. I mean, you look at just the simple fact that not a single one seed from e- from either division or, or from any of the four divisions is moving on. I mean, that right there alone makes it crazy, let alone some of the crazy storylines that have happened that have gone on with that. And it happened in all different ways, too. That was kind of the funniest part is that, you know, there were sweeps, there were game seven overtimes and everything in between. Some series a little bit more entertaining than others, but absolutely incredible the drama that we saw. Um, you know, from just from from literally the opening drop of the playoffs. So we'll kind of start in the Eastern Conference. We'll kind of just go over and get your impressions on everything that happened, and we can talk about how terrible our predictions were, as was the rest of America. I don't even feel bad. Normally, if I went three for eight, I'd feel like an absolute idiot. I wouldn't even want to put out another podcast. But the fact that three for eight might have been above average, it, I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, honestly, if you went like anything over five for eight, you're an idiot because of how you were picking. I completely right? agree. Like, yeah, like if you went over five for eight, you were just trolling because there's there's some series. There's no way you're right. picking what happened. So we'll start with the with my lonely Penguins and what happened in their them getting swept of the aisles. Um, it, this this year, honestly, it hurt less than other years uh, because I never saw this team going to the finals. I didn't see this team winning the cup. I certainly saw them getting out of the first round just because that's what they've always done. 
Um, I don't believe the Penguins have lost in the first round since Crosby's sophomore season when they lost to the Ottawa Senators and I believe five or six games. And that was, you know, lifetime ago. I think I was in high school back when that happened. So mm-hmm. the Penguins have always seemed to find ways to get out um, of the first round. There might be another one in there that I'm missing. I can't remember if their series against Philadelphia was the first first round or not in like 2012 or 11. I'm sure I'm jacking that stat up. But, you know, they always find ways. And you just look at that roster. You think Crosby, Malkin, Latang. You know, you got to think Kessel. You got to think they're getting out. Um, I will say that I said on the last episode that the world would be exposed to Phil Kessel and Phil Kessel was definitely the best player for the Penguins all series. Well, so, that's typical, right? If we, if we say it, the exact opposite is going to happen. It was so. pretty. So I give Phil Kessel a lot of credit. Um, he's faced a lot of shit this year. A lot of it from me. And uh, <laughs> he, you know, he really, he really stepped up. He was the only one that showed up, but you've talked about it all year with this Isles team from literally before opening puck drop about the difference that Barry Trotz was going to make on this team. And they were just out-coached, out-handled. They had no idea what to do. Yeah, Barry Trotz, and it showed because we're going to get to the Capitals uh, here, you know, eventually as we're talking about the Eastern Conference. But what a coach, man. Can you believe that the Capitals didn't want to pay him $5 million and let him go? Are you kidding me? It's unbelievable because they literally – you've never seen a, a coaching fiasco like this. I mean – it sucks that the Caps let him walk, and I think it probably had a little bit to do with their first-round exit as well. But, I mean, Trotz has had the Penguins' number, and they just got absolutely outwilled. By the fourth game, you would think at home, down 3 nothing, the Penguins are going to put it all on the line. They didn't want to be there. It was like they had a tea time at Pebble Beach the next morning. They were yeah. like, let's just get this shit over with. Yeah, it, it definitely was. They were skating slow, and boy, the, the Islanders were buzzing. You know, they knew what was at stake, so... You know, I think those three three O games are tough, but I expected it. You know, even when it was two nothing and it looked like the Islanders were kind of dominating, I expected a lot more out of the Penguins at home. Yeah, and you know the the Islanders goaltending from Lanner continued to be great, but he just he didn't face a lot of high quality chances. He's one of the goaltenders who I still think is yet to be tested. I mean, his numbers are good, don't get me wrong, but not a lot of high quality chances from the Penguins. Their special teams wasn't anything in particular that was good. There was just really nothing positive that came out of that series for the Pens. Matt Murray played well. Um, A lot of retooling that needs to be done in this offseason. But as a Penguins fan, I don't think this was one of those postseasons as in years past where you've went, this is our our postseason to lose. So Mm -hmm. while it hurts to get swept... And it sucks to lose, especially to a division rival like the Islanders, who I just cannot stand their fans. And I've harped on it plenty of times. They deserved it. They were the better team. Um, And it just, for some reason, and I don't know if it's bad fandom or what you would call it, it just didn't sting as bad as other years. Um, Especially like last year was like getting your heart ripped out because if you three-peat, you know, then you're in abs- you're in you're in NHL history. Something that's never going to get done again for a long time with how competitive the NHL is. So last year definitely stung losing to the Capitals because I felt that team could win it all. But this year, I think it was kind of inevitable, and they just saved us a lot of time by having it be four games. Yeah, and uh, you know, just because we have all summer to talk about it, and we obviously want to get to talking about the second round, I think it's a nice lead right into that the series with Barry Trotz, that Capitals. Carolina series uh I think you did you say this one you said this was gonna be one in four 
Ended up being a crazy series. Yeah, talk about not picking the wrong team and pick after the Caps came out and won game one. I was like, oh yeah, like I'm, you know, and yeah. then they come out and win game two. I'm like, holy shit, I'm actually going to get one of these right. So give the Hurricanes all the credit in the world for coming back. But I think a lot, this is, and I know that I'm in the minority when I said this, Alex Ovechkin played fantastic all series. I'm not going to take that away from him. He was a, a horse all year, had some big goals. That toey in game seven for the backdoor oh. feed to Tom Wilson, <laughs> disgusting. Don't get me wrong. The shenanigans he pulled at the end of game six, there is yeah. no no other captain in the NHL that gets away with that. It's only Ovechkin that gets away with that. Dude, he's acting like one of a, like a fucking teenager in a peewee game. Like, you're a pro athlete. You're 33. You're the captain of that team. You know you're going to game seven. That's not the time to fucking show up for the officials and get tossed with a minute left in the game. That does not send a good message. And when that happened, I was like, they're done. They're losing in seven. And if they get yeah. out of this series, they're done in the next se- They're done in the next one. So Yeah, you could tell his composure. And, and I think he represents, you know, the whole team. His composure was completely blown. Showed that Carolina was in their head because, honestly – they dominated, you know, the games that they won, they crushed them. That 6 nothing game at home is just <laughs> unbelievable right. when I saw that. But you know my rule. If you use the stick in any way as a weapon in my NHL, 10 games. We start at 10. And like that, that applies for Malkin swinging at someone's head. That applies for Ovechkin right here. Uh, that applies for Mershant when he does his antics. Um, I hate to see it. I absolutely hate it. Especially so. when you're down four goals and the game's over. Like, what an unnecessary hack. And then I get it. They were. We, let's talk about the no goal call real quick in Game Six. All right, I get it. You're upset. That's not a fucking goal. It's not even like one of the questionable ones, like we're going to talk about here later. You can't just push the goalie into the net. Can you imagine what kind of fucking anarchy would go on if that was a goal? Yeah, exactly. There's a reason that that's not a goal because yeah, we just have people. It'd be like NHL hits where you just <laughs> rush the goalie <laughs> every time the puck got covered. You would just have six people diving in like curling stones, just trying to push them <laughs> into the net. I couldn't believe it because when you see it in real time, I was like, oh, they they he knocked home a loose puck. That should count. Why is that called off? And then they showed the replay, and it's like, oh, it's very obviously under his pad, and yet yeah, you can't yeah. just push him into the fucking net. So while when you're a Capitals fan or you're a Capitals player, I can see how you think that that maybe goal, maybe should have been a goal, but you can't let it blow up to the level it blew up in game six to where it was just, I, I thought it was just fucking childish. It's, it, I mean, I can't think of a better word to put. It. I think their whole antics, I think was just childish. And this is coming from the team you're playing against is playing fucking basketball after home wins this year. Right. I just like it's unbelievable that a team last year that was so composed down 3-2 to Tampa, a team that everyone thought was one of the best teams in the NHL, you shut them out for two games and then you get rattled by this when you're up 3-2. It's just it was a weird antic. I, I didn't expect it from this team. And it's like you said, once that happened and once you lost hinge there, that's all that's all Carolina needed to, to pounce and come back and ultimately Again, in my opinion, steal another win in Game 7 because I don't think they played the better game until the last period. And then after that, you know, overtime's a crapshoot in the NHL. Right. Game 7 was was interesting because, you know, I said before, I have never been more confident that a team was going to win Game 7 than I was in the Capitals. I mean, I had money all over the board. That's the first time mm-hmm. I've ran a, a minus half, uh, which means they need to win in regulation. 
a minus one and a half, a standard puck line, a minus two and a half, and a minus three and a half on the same fucking team because <laughs> I was so confident they were going to come out, and that's exactly what happened. They got out to a 2 nothing lead in the first period. I said, here we go. Graham's going to an Ivy League school on daddy's <laughs> dime because we're about to make some money. And then Carolina gets a weak, weak, weak shorthanded goal to make it 2-1. Holpe just looking like an absolute idiot. I mean, mm-hmm. a soft shot that a peewee goaltender should know to make sure that he controls that rebound. It goes right back. I think it was Sebastian Ajo who scored. Puts it right back on Ajo's backhand. He taps it home. Holpe, like, jumps over the puck, too. I don't know what the fuck he was doing. And then, you know, then you get a 3-2 lead. You're trying to hold on to the third. Jordan Stahl comes down, and Holpe is off his angle by Dude, four feet. Someone, someone get that man a protractor. He was off by <laughs> so far, man. <laughs> it's just, and then once you get into overtime, and like, I mean, I, I was very public with it. I live bet my loss. The worst thing you do, I've said it on here before, you can never yeah. live, you can never live bet to chase your losses. But I said, fuck it. I'm going to live bet that same hundred that I was going to bet on the game and put it on Carolina, mainly because the odds were all jacked up. And if you watch the end of the third period, all the momentum was with Carolina and Holpe looked horrible. So I was right. just thinking you just takes one shot and it's over. I was not expecting it to go almost two full overtime periods. But, I mean, if you watch those OT periods, Carolina dominated. I think they outshot them 10 to 4 in those four shots. Not a single one was going was going to get by. Like yeah. Not a single one of those was getting in without a significant redirect. So so we'll talk a little bit more about them here in the previews. But, you know, give, give Peter Mrazek credit. He played as good as he had to play. Carolina gets it done. Justin Williams, another unreal game seven. The fucking ageless wonder who just continues to do it in the biggest moments. Um, the best part of that game of that goal in game seven, not only does Tom Wilson turn the puck over on the wall, Tom Wilson then loses his man who ends up scoring the yep. game winner. Yep. Two absolute elementary mistakes by my <laughs> least favorite player in the NHL, five seconds apart to get them knocked out. So I'm sure Tom's at the bar getting in one right now and doesn't really give a fuck in the world since he just signed a new ticket worth like six mil, but still. Yeah, he, yeah, he doesn't care, but yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was good to yeah, see. Yeah, and that was only, you know, that was the, obviously the game seven, but the night before we had the, the other game seven in the Eastern Conference, which was also a doozy uh, between Boston and, and Toronto. It was weird, man. I honestly think that in just, you know, that series went back and forth and all the bullshit that went on, like you knew was going to happen here, typical Toronto Boston series. And this is one of the few series that you and I both got right. Um, I think the Nazem Kadri suspension played a bigger role than people want to admit. Uh, Toronto could have definitely used another goal scorer in the later games of the series. Um, but I thought Toronto actually played a better game seven. I thought they were the better team and, uh, Tuca just outplayed Anderson. And we also said that was the other matchup. And in game seven, when it's all on the line and it comes down to goaltending, Tuca was hot and Freddie wasn't. And that's just kind of the way it goes. Yeah. I don't think there's any denying that. Uh, I do think that Boston showed that that this is more than just a skill thing on why they keep winning this series, right? This is a team that has been in this situation. They've been in game sevens. They're battle tested. And that showed in game seven for sure. Uh, and game six also uh, on the road in Toronto came out and played a, a really good game in game six. I thought didn't let that Austin Matthews goal late rattle them and went on to win the series. Kind of how you and I saw this one ending up. So 
Uh, good on Boston. Um, and, you know, now they got a little momentum going here into round two. And I'd like to get your opinion on kind of what's one of been the hot topic about the whole Toronto situation. We're not going to be the first nor the last to bring it up. My Coach Babcock rotating four lines that whole game is a fucking joke. And I don't care what you did in the regular season to get in that point or this is our system, this is what we're going to do. Rotating four lines throughout an 82-game season is a hell of a lot different than one game. And the fact that Austin Matthews, your best offensive player, only plays 18 minutes in that game is a fucking disgrace. He needs to be at least in the 21, 22, 23-minute mark. And that might not sound like a lot. That's six or seven shifts. Like, that's a big, big difference. And that could have easily been the difference in the game. Matthews was flying all series. I thought he looked great. And you, you leave him to 18 minutes in the biggest fucking game of the year? And then you're just going to say that, oh, well, we rotate four. That's what we do. That's our style. That's fucking stupid. It's not a fucking house league. Play your horses and play the guys that got you there. What are you doing? Yeah, I think there's something lost with this idea of rotating four. You know, Vegas did it last year. But rotating four doesn't mean you run them the same exact amount of time, right? It means that you use that fourth line when you need a spark or when Matthews can't go. And so, you know, rotating four means you put them out there and they are buzzing. Doesn't mean you're giving Austin Matthews 18 and you're giving your fourth line 18. And I don't think Vegas Vegas didn't see a game seven last year, did they? Yeah. That was the other, you know (laughs) what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Winning games in five. Yeah, they rolled until they ran to Washington. You're you're absolutely right. The most they went was six with the Sharks. And in like and that's a different that's a different animal too, right? Coming out of an expansion draft like that. Like that's that's not the same thing. It's not the same as Columbus rolling there for when they're up three nothing on Tampa and you know they're winning because of a four check. Like if Toronto's gonna win this game or this series, they're winning on pure skill, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, those are the guys who need to be on the ice. It just blows my mind that, I mean, I remember watching it and they kept talking about this fucking fourth line. And like, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, that's a, it's a deep roster. It's a deep league. I get it. But uh, when you're down by a goal in the third period, you're down by two, maybe put your fucking top line out there and send them every other a few times or fuck the lines up a little bit and get fucking 34 on the ice. It's not rocket science. And I don't understand it. You would think like back in the old day, this is also what I don't get. This pisses me off more than anything. With how many TV timeouts there are, how come these top end forwards aren't getting 25 minutes a game in these game sevens? Like in the other games, I kind of get it. But if you're facing elimination and your top line has a shift and then they take a TV timeout, put them fucking back on the ice. It's a 90 second break. It's two shifts. I, yeah, 90, the, 90 seconds at least. It's man. one like, of the dude. things I've never understood. I think there's three maybe four scheduled TV timeouts every period. And it blows my mind that teams don't take that advantage and double shift. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, uh, no, I'm with you. I mean, 90 seconds should be plenty of time for a pro athlete to recover. And also 90 seconds is probably the shortest TV timeout you're going to get. I feel like some of these are, well, I mean, you're seeing five, six commercials. Right. Plus the timeline up the face-offs. I'm with you, especially in that third period. You know, let the fourth line run in the first, set the pace a little. And then in the third, when you're down a goal, you need to be running that fourth line. So I think it it shows again that Babcock has numerous times made mistakes in this series against Boston to the point where it's clearly become a head case, almost like kind of what we see with like Ohio State, Michigan, where it is just it's a mental thing now. And I, I don't know how you kick it 
honestly, Boston knows they know who they are, uh, and I don't I don't see any reason why Toronto is going to change the status quo here in the coming years. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the sickening part is that team is good enough to go far, and yeah. a- Anderson yeah. Anderson did not play as bad as I think a lot of people were anticipating he was going to play. Anderson was fine, so. I think it was a struggle from top to bottom. Uh, it's tough if you're a Leafs fan. I mean, you're kind of sitting there like, when the fuck are we going to turn the corner? And I think the head coach needs to look in the mirror. I mean, you see these post these post game conferences, and all Babcock does is throw shade at everybody else—the players, the GMs, the, the officials. Fuck that, dude. Well, Babcock's got to take some fucking responsibility, or that team is going to be stuck for a long time. Yep. I mean, three years, first round. It, it's time to. Time to make some changes, I think. Or, or, you know, maybe changes. Time to at least change your perception and the way that you approach these series. So so speaking of getting through those first first round woes, holy shit, the Jackets. I mean, who in the world saw that coming? Uh, craziest thing I've ever – craziest thing I've ever seen as a, as a sports fan, I think. I think it's fair to say. And I think that they're going to finally start establishing themselves as like a legit hockey town. I mean, you were at game three. Nationwide was fucking bananas. Yeah, Nationwide was nuts, dude. It was piss-poor weather outside, so I was a little worried kind of walking in. But, boy, once you got in that building, it was – I don't know how it sounded on TV, but there was never a quiet point. Like, even in the even in the TV timeouts, you could just – it was just kind of buzzing the whole time. And, you know, you go up – what they go up? Two-nothing, I think. Three-nothing. And I had two Tampa fans. No, I had six Tampa fans sitting right in front of me. Literally looked like someone shot their dog. Like they were <laughs> dead, man. They expected to come in here, kind of finally open up, and the only time they even got anything going was when they scored that one goal, bring it to two to one, and then the empty net dagger. It was awesome. The biggest thing in that series too, because well, I mean, there's really not a lot to talk about. The Blue Jackets dominated from top to bottom. They they lost the first period of the first game, and then they fucking dominated from them on out. We talked about how we kind of saw the immaturity of Alex Ovechkin. Uh, I think the world was introduced to the immaturity of Nikita Kucherov as well in that series. Uh, don't watch a lot of Tampa games, and when I do watch them, they were winning 90% of the time, so you don't see a lot of this, but what a fucking baby. My God. What is yeah, what is going yeah. on with Kucherov? But dude, I think you saw it a little bit with the whole team. Just They're not used to losing. They're not used to getting just completely flustered. Kucherov goes and takes a dumb penalty, gets suspended for game three, uh, and like nobody was saying that's should the have been more. They, it should have. It was one should've game because you know if if Nudavar goes down with a concussion, which by the way he didn't play in games three and four. Or tonight. Uh, yeah, exactly. If he, you know, he's still out. But if there's blood on the ice, we're looking at five, six game suspension at least, right? Yeah, it's a travesty. I think that you're the best. Pl- game two is lost. You lost the game. Now you got to find a way to regroup on the road to win game three. And yeah. what do you do? You fucking get yourself suspended like an absolute <laughs> dipshit. So it just disappointed. I mean, Tampa was one of those teams that I think that, like I said, we both said that we thought the Jackets were going to make it a series. I said I thought it goes six or seven. I still thought Tampa would come out on top. But Vasilevsky got exposed. Bob turned it on. And if I could have been a fly on the wall – to hear whatever the fuck it was Tortorella said after the first period of game one, that must have been one hell of a speech. I think you and I would have been like CEOs of companies if we'd have been in there, you know what I mean? Like just get <laughs> right. us fired up for anything, man. Run through a wall. Because, yeah, I don't know what he said, but it was I'm about to go chug this beer at the fucking yeah. stand. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was awesome to watch. And, and like you said, there's not a ton to, to 
talk about with it. I mean, they just thoroughly dominated, in my opinion, just about every facet against them. And so now it's kind of on to round two. And, and that's more where that interesting story comes up that we'll get into. So from the one seed in the East to the one seed in the West, you know, a lot of these, it was good to actually be able to watch some of these Western Conference teams play in full instead of playing, you know, I would usually watch them play a period. Then I go to bed because the puck drops at fucking 1030. But uh, Calgary, Colorado, I uh, got to give Kale McCarr some credit. Coming, what a week Kale McCarr had. You get named the Hobie yeah. Baker winner. Yeah. Then you play in the national title game. And then you go play with Colorado and you make an instant impact and you score yeah. in the first score. period. It's unbelievable. <laughs> And he's a, and you think like you know some of the analysts had said that you know Kale McCarr was going to be able to just run and gun right into that system because that's kind of what they do they just run and gun whereas if you were in like a New York Islanders type system then that's something you wouldn't be able to do uh, was very impressed with the Avalanche very impressed with their speed and I honestly think Nathan McKinnon is getting to Connor McDavid levels he is absolutely ridiculous the fact his speed like it's unbelievable to me. With how many guys play hockey, not just in the NHL, but in general, in the world, and Nathan McKinnon has got to be two steps faster than every single one. Uh, he's the MVP of these playoffs, and he's only played in five games. Like it's that's stupid. how good he has been. Uh, it's unbelievable. You're absolutely right with his speed. He's got a wicked shot, dude. That wrist shot he has, or snap, or whatever that thing is, and he can rip that at full speed. Good luck. Good luck to any goalie trying to stop that. It's not happening. So uh, I'm with you. I mean, what a he's a stud. He's taken his team to the playoff two years in a row here along. And that top line for or for uh, for Colorado is up there with the best in the NHL. For yeah. sure. It's up there with Boston. No question. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, Rantan had a good series. McKinnon had eight points in the five games like you alluded to. Um, and <laughs> how about talking about Sergey Verlamov in the first round? He's not even the one that fucking plays. It was Grubauer that got the nod. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Grubauer played great. And this, the top guys for Calgary just didn't show up. Johnny Gaudreau with only one point in five games. Um, not to mention he had three breakaways in uh-huh. game five. God, him in game five was tough to watch. And that one called back too. Right. What a tough, tough game for him. Yeah, so Calgary just, just didn't get it done. It's It's poetry in motion that I give them shit all year long. And they end up getting the nod, the number one seed in the Western Conference, I finally come aboard, and they shit the bed in the first round. So yep. it's kind of poetic justice for me finally getting on. I should have stuck to my guns and should have picked Colorado and said, fuck this team. I've been down on them all year. <laughs> um, Got to give Mike Smith credit. Everybody was shitting on Mike Smith, saying no, he dude, was going to be played. the reason that – Dude, they were giving up 50 shots a game. Come yeah, on. He actually, he actually is the only reason that series was even close. Like like the games were decently close except for game five. Uh it was because of him. And like you said, 50 like high quality shots. So, and you know, it's interesting, you know, uh, Calgary top scoring team in the West right behind Tampa, just completely shut down by, by Colorado. They just weren't ready for, for playoff hockey. I don't think they weren't ready for the speed. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it, it was, I knew Colorado was fast, but I don't think I knew they were that fast. And this mm-hmm. is a league where speed kills, and man, if they they were just they look quick. But we'll kind of get more into the, whether their depth can hold uh, here in the next series. Uh, moving on from them, uh, the Dallas Stars also found a way to get it done. Um, one of the teams that a lot of guys weren't really sure it was the only series you and I disagreed on was Nashville and Dallas. We both said seven. Dallas ended up pulling it off in six. Um, Jamie Ben, what a guy. 
Yeah, I, 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 I've been saying it all year. I didn't like how Nashville was playing, and then they took it to a whole other level in this series. I would watch them play, and I was, I would get pissed off, and I'm not even a fan. Like that team is loaded, <laughs> and like you'd watch them play, and it was infuriating. I was, you know, they were making dumb mistakes. Their blue line looked horrible, and you called it. You said that you thought Dallas would be able to get this done, and sure enough. Uh, I think six games is generous to Nashville. I think Dallas dominated them. And Ben Bishop stood on his head. Yeah, Ben Bishop looking like the Ben. But remember when Ben Bishop was in Tampa, he was yeah, supposed oh. to be like the, the next, you know, the next Patrick fucking Wah. And then he kind of went off to Dallas, dealt with some injuries, had a few years that, you know, weren't maybe his best. Ben Bishop is back in form. And Ben Bishop is disgusting. Not to mention that top line. Once again, we just talked about Colorado's top line. But Jamie Ben is playing like a man possessed right now. He honestly looks like the guy in beer league who's playing two levels too low sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> he's like – because he wears nothing. So he's like the older guy. He's got some gray in his beard now I feel like. And he's just out there just dangling the kids and setting up plays. And you got to give credit to the way that Radulov has played as well on that top line. Um, you know, Radulov's played well. He had six points in the six games. But Jamie Ben is just an absolute workhorse. What a guy. And uh, I, I've said it from the beginning that I bought into the Dallas Stars Kool-Aid this year, and they're getting it done somehow. You absolutely did. And and I'm I'm right there with you. I, I really like them. Uh, you know, I got the Blues winning the whole thing, but I, I like them in this second round. Maybe not to get the win, but at least to take it six or seven, and we'll get into that. But um, what a fantastic first round for them. And it's interesting you say that about Ben Bishop because, you know, how well he played versus Vasilevsky, who just looked completely off his game here in the playoffs, which is funny how has a way of working out like that, similar to the Grubauer, Holtby. Uh, you go down the list, happens every year. Yeah, I mean, pretty incredible. Uh, we can segue into into the Blues because that was one of the other series you and I both actually got right. Ring a fucking bell, for God's sakes. <laughs> we got one right. Uh, the St. Louis Blues continue to be the St. Louis Blues. Bennington played good enough. He finally saw some adversity. He was not the Jordan Biddington that was like unbelievably stellar, but he was good enough. Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko, they continue to get it done. That team is deep. They're difficult to play against. They don't give you an inch, and their goaltending is solid. I don't know, man. They might be the favorite out of the West with every other team in America seemingly losing. Yeah, I mean, I picked them to go to the uh... – Picked them to go to the finals, and I, I like the pick a lot. I think, like you said, Bennington, this is actually, in my opinion, a good thing for the Blues. Bennington didn't play great. You know, he kind of showed a little bit of that rookie, uh, you know, what a rookie might look like in the playoffs. And St. Louis still dominated a team, and I thought Winnipeg picked it up a little. They started to find their game. Uh, not totally to what we expected, but, boy, if you're a, if you're a Winnipeg fan, you've got to be asking some, some hard questions here. Because uh, this team is loaded and, again, just is not able to get it done. And this time in the first round versus, you know, in the second or the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, they were one of the teams in the beginning of the year that you and I were both very high on. Even last picked year. Win, I picked them to win the cup. Picked them to win the cup. So. Even, even last year I picked them to beat Vegas. I thought that they were the team to beat out of the West. I just thought that they were the perfect combination of speed and size and skill with good enough goaltending to get them there. The goaltending was very average. And they just, you know, none of the names showed up. It is what it is. Line A, you know, had his moments, but that team just cannot get it done. They ran into a buzzsaw on the St. Louis Blues. Um, but, the, I mean, the last series, I mean, this is the one that all of America is seemingly talking about. The San Jose Sharks and the Vegas Golden Knights. 
I mean, just before we get into the Game 7 dramatics, has to be, if not one of, the best first-round series of the last 10 years. It was incredible. The Dude, the Shark Tank was buzzing at the SAP Center. Obviously, Vegas, the building was electric. I didn't think this was going to be a good series, I'll be honest with you. I, I hated how San Jose was playing. Obviously, Eric Carlson was dealing with some injuries, and I thought he was kind of the glue of that San Jose team, but... He gutted it out the entire series and, in my opinion, had his best game in Game 7. It was pretty awesome. I'm glad I stayed up for most of the games in this series. Yeah, Eric Carlson, we said in the last episode, was going to be the guy. You know, He was going to be the X Factor in that series. And what does he do? He comes out and has nine assists in the the seven games. I mean, him and Jacob Slavin are your Jakob Slavin, excuse me, from Carolina, are the two guys who are leading the NHL in assists. And, after, and I mean, they both played seven games, so it's a little bit different. But True. Eric Carlson was Eric Carlson. And if the Sharks want any hope, the other big thing, too, Mark Eduardo Vlasic. Let me tell you, 0-3 mm. with him out of the lineup, 4-0 and when he finished the game. So Mark Eduardo Vlasic, it gets hidden behind Brent Burns and Eric Carlson now. And, you know, all the other, you know, Joe Thornton, Logan Couture, you name it. Mark Eduardo Vlasic might be the glue that holds that team together. Yeah, you might be right, especially here when it, when the pressure was on down 3-1. What a fantastic series he had in those last couple games. Crazy statistic, too. So when Vegas was up 3-1, the Jackets had eliminated Tampa, and the Islanders had eliminated Pittsburgh. At that time, the Cup favorites was Vegas at yeah. five to one. And I was because I went on there and I was like, okay, Vegas is easily getting out of this series. Thinking that they might be eight to one, nine to one, ten to one. I was gonna put a little future on them. But I saw sure. I saw five to one and was like, oh fuck that. I'm not taking that. It's terrible. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they end up losing three straight. They don't even get out of the first round. Now we have to talk about game seven. It wouldn't be fair if we don't talk about it. It's perhaps the most controversial call in the last five or six years that I can remember. I mean, it, it's it's the first round, so you can't put it up there with, like, the Brett Hall skate in the crease. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. an absolute – I have a very, very strong opinion on this. So I want to hear your side of it first. You're up 3 nothing. Eakin cross-checks Pavelski in the chest or pushes him, in my opinion. Yeah. He ends up – he ends up getting a piece of Stastny who's just going out to his point, a very elementary positional play. It's unfortunate. Pavelski gets weirdly dangled, lands directly on his head. What are your thoughts on what transpired from that point? <laughs> um, I, I First off, I was watching the game, and you know this was what probably about midnight when this happened. and I see uh, it, it, him laying on the ground. I see blood coming out of the helmet. I'm like, Jesus, what just happened there? I, like someone – hacked him in the face, and they show the replay. And I'm like, all right, what am I missing here? I didn't see anything. I mean, I, I literally, I didn't see a, I didn't even know what could possibly cause him to be bleeding. Um, and then they call that five-minute major, man. And I was like, e- even when they called the five-minute major, I said, oh, this is big. But this, this game's over. There's 10 minutes left. And what happened in the next five minutes is some of the craziest, one of the craziest things I've ever seen in hockey. It, like, just regardless of the call, Vegas giving up four goals on a penalty kill is unbelievable. I, like I'm still shocked that 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 Gerard Gallant didn't call a timeout after two of them. Uh, I'm you know it's unfortunate that they, they got put in that situation, but at some point you got to compose yourself and say, hey, we can't 
we can't give up four goals uh, on a on a even if it is a BS call. So uh, you know, good on San Jose for taking advantage of the opportunity, but the NHL needs to needs to do something to hold these refs accountable. So the positive thing that's going to come out of this is that this is going to be the call that makes all major penalties reviewable. Which I'm exactly. to- that which, is the good thing. Which yeah. I'm totally okay with because something had to happen to where this call gets changed. It's the same point to where at some point it's going to be game seven in the Stanley Cup finals in overtime and a defenseman is going to accidentally flip the puck over the glass and then they're going to get scored on and they're going to change that rule because that's the other worst rule in hockey. Yeah, th- that's a horrible rule. So. so I'm all for shitty things happening for the good of the game. <laughs> but and, and I mean, trust me. I mean, obviously we shouldn't even have to prelude it. But obviously, you hope every, Pavelski's okay. It's brutal. Yeah. It's a really bad look for Warrior helmets, too. By the way, is but, that what he was? Dude, yeah. uh, the blood a, coming out of the helmet it's a was bad just... look. That's <laughs> <laughs> a oh real like like. There's a lot of losers in this scenario. I'm pretty sure the marketing guy for Warrior helmets is having a fucking nightmarish <laughs> week of everybody that happens. It's like the Bauer stick that breaks and gives up the breakaway, like right. on a pass. Yeah, it's the, that same guy. <laughs> it's a bad fucking look. Like those vents are meant to let airflow into the helmet. They are not meant for you to just siphon out blood from your skull. <laughs> so a bad look for Warrior helmets. But my my opinion on it is it's very similar to yours. Uh, a that's not even a penalty. And no, I'll take that to the fucking grave. I played center. When you lose the draw, that's what you do. That's your guy. You got to stay with him. You're going to give him a check or something kind of a shove. You got to make sure you stay with him. If you're the inside wing, that's the play. You go through the middle out to that D when you lose the draw clean. Two very elementary plays. I watched the game tonight, the Jackets game. What Eakin did happened 30 times. It happens on every faceoff. It's not even a cross-checking penalty. I don't care what anybody says just because he fell down. It's unbelievably unfortunate, but when you're an official in the NHL, you cannot not see something and just see the aftermath and make an assumptive call that's going to completely alter the fucking series. Yeah. A hundred percent on board. Vegas shouldn't have given up four goals on the kill. Vegas blew a 3-1 series lead. Completely fucking irrelevant. To how terrible of a call that is. And actually, we have the soundbite from Jonathan Marsh's so after the game. Let's go to that right now. I mean, I really hope that Joel Pavelski is okay. Obviously, you never want to see something bad like that happen, but it's a f- joke. Call five minutes for that. That's Why don't you have a hockey replay or something? Change the whole hot common game. Like, seriously, what is that? It's, it's, it's so disappointing. It's like trying to get involved in the game. The game is not even close. It's 3 nothing. Call the two, okay, but a five with something you don't even see, you just call the outcome. It's a f-ing joke, it's embarrassing. That's what it is. Everything Jonathan Marsh so says there is completely on point. It's fucking embarrassing. You, if you, you're gonna tell the the coaching staff or the players that you saw a cross check to the face, no, you didn't, because if he would have got cross checked in the face, he would have been bleeding from the face, not mm-hmm. from the top of his head. So I understand you look at that aftermath and you're concerned, like, oh, fuck, something happened. But if you don't see it, guess what, guys? You can't call it. That's the way that it works. And I know that they're playing damage control, like, well, if something really bad happened and it missed it, well, then we're never going to hear the end of it because of the concussion deal and all that bullshit. But like I said, 
I'm all for something shitty. I feel bad it happened to Joe Pavelski. I hear he's a great guy. And I don't wish any ill will on him. <laughs> but somebody had to bite the bullet for this rule to get changed. And it looks like Joe Pavelski was the one chosen by the hockey god. So I apologize. But this is the play that will get now all five-minute majors reviewed. And I think that's the way to do it. The same way they do it with targeting and football, I think that's what you got to do. People are pissing and moaning about how it's going to add more reviews and add time to the game. Fucking A. You can review a guy's skate maybe being offsides 10 minutes before a puck gets dumped in on a goal, and you're literally going like millisecond by millisecond to see if his toe might have been up as the puck barely crosses the goal line. You can spend 10 minutes reviewing that, but you're not going to spend, what do you think that is, a two-minute review? Oh, at most, dude. You watch the one replay from the right angle, and you see that clearly nothing happens. And all the and we're talking goes about- is you call five, you review it, it goes down to a two. Just like, fuck it. It was a penalty. You can't, like, I don't think you can give them the discretion of where they're going to go, nothing, all legal. Like, if you call a five, something happened. I don't think that's a penalty, but I'm not going to, if they end up giving him a two minute there, that's not the end of the world. You get scored on fucking 3-1, whatever. I think the game's still over. I just feel, I feel for the players because that was, I mean, that's absolutely, it just breaks your spirit. However, you brought it up. The biggest mistake is Gallant not calling a fucking timeout at some yeah. point? Yeah, I, I like right when they went down three two, dude. I was like, well, you got to stop the bleeding because that place was going nuts. And you call a timeout, you get a little TV break, you bring the boys in, you settle them down, say, hey, look, we know how to penalty kill. We're gonna get through this. Um, and, and he didn't do that. And the fact, dude, they could have got six goals on that penalty. Like honestly, the fact that the, they barely missed with a minute and a half left again. It could have been five goals, and who knows what would have happened then. Um, and then, of course, Vegas recomposed themselves. And I mean, ties the game. game. That, was, that was the game. maybe this, even more incredible than them giving up four goals of the fact that they still tied it, the game and sent it to overtime. This team, quite frankly, deserves to be in the second round because of this call. I mean, this is a team that was, in my opinion, outplayed the Sharks in Game 7 besides that one call that completely could alter the entire Stanley Cup playoffs. And it's a joke. And the NHL absolutely needs to take action on it. And if they don't, uh, we have a broken system. It, it doesn't take long to review these penalties. There's maybe one major penalty a night in a regular season that has 14 games. And the, the fact of the matter is most major calls are the correct call. It's very rare do you have to go and truly review. You know, most majors are swinging the stick or, you know, a hit from behind, a, a major boarding call where you don't need to review. It's for the the off times like this where there's a game on the line, a series on the line, where you need to go to the monitor and look at it. Even if you do it just in the playoffs. I'm fine with that, too. Sure, sure. Just right, that's in the playoffs, you can review all five-minute majors? Like, why the fuck not? I don't understand yeah. it. It's just the whole – like you said, I agree. And the worst part is that the NHL doubled down on saying that the refs didn't fuck up. And I think that's a bad look. Like, if you're the NHL, you have to be accountable. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, just the way that we just said Babcock wasn't accountable. You have to be fucking accountable. You have to come out and say, look, what they did do is that refing group was not selected to move on. So, like, they're done officiating in the playoffs. So, As they should be. Should, quite correct. frankly, should be, they should be, you know, under review for keeping their jobs. Completely agree. And, I mean, it, the thing is, too, is if that game is three no, is not 3 nothing. let's say that game's tied, he doesn't call a five. He calls a two. So yep. it's just irritating that all the factors that came into play, and the funniest thing, too, is you know when they made it 3-2, 
that official was like, who has probably seen the replay at this point, is probably like, Vegas, kill the fucking yeah. penalty. <laughs> God damn. You're going to get my house burned down. Yeah, right. <laughs> but moving probably, on. Like uh, I said, yeah, moving on. I was just going to say he's probably loving it. At least that's at the SAP and not in Vegas. Oh, my you know God. I mean? No shit. He might have been a hero. but I got drinks paid for him all night. <laughs> but, yeah, moving on. Like I said, an absolutely insane first round. All division winners gone. I believe – I mean, nobody got more than two or three of these right. Absolutely incredible. But we move on. We'll stay in the West. As we got going on right now, kind of cheating a little bit because one of the games is going on right now. But the uh, we got game one of – what is it? The Blues and the Stars. We're 1-1 in the second period. Who do you like? I think I well, know the answer I, to this one. Yeah, I've been riding – I've been riding – St. Louis this whole series this whole time I picked them to go to the cup I'm gonna stick with it but I think Dallas is we said it I think Dallas is sneaky good I think this goes seven uh I think it maybe is an overtime kind of game that that finishes this off where it's kind of a pick em. so we'll see I you know I with the way that uh the way that Ben Bishop's playing though really tough to pick against the stars but I love how the Blues have been playing all year well correction since the new year <laughs> uh, that first half of the season I don't know what the hell is going on yeah I think we're going to disagree a little bit more this round than we did the last one but I'm going to agree with you on this one I'm very high on the Blues I think it is their conference to lose at this point with everybody else going out um St. Louis is just just deeper uh Dallas is only going to be able to ride their top line for so long that top line was magnificent but St. Louis is a better defensive team, and they play a much safer system. Um, you're going to see a lot of low-scoring games. I think Bennington continues to play well, um, but I'm not knocking Dallas. I'm with you. I think this one goes six or seven. I think St. Louis finds a way to pull it off. I think they continue to ride the hot goaltender, and I just think that their depth and their defensive system as a whole is going to be able to hold Dallas back. Not a series I'm going to be surprised if Dallas finds the way to pull it off, just like the last one, especially if Ben yep. Bishop continues to play incredible. But – I got to take St. Louis. I think that they're the hottest team. And I think that they're not, I mean, in, in skill, not in like in looks. And uh, I think that they're really the ones that are going to, you know, it's, I think it's now with everybody else out. I think it's their conference to lose. They got home ice. And uh, yeah, I like St. Louis in six or and maybe even in seven, but I'm going to take St. Louis in six. We'll take them seven just for fun, right? There you go. At least we got a little bit of difference. <laughs> so we move into the other series in the West. We got San Jose. In Colorado, like we said, Colorado beat the Western Conference champion Calgary Flames in five games. The Sharks end up winning in seven and the most emotional and absolutely dramatic series we've seen in a long-ass time in the NHL. Who do you like coming out of this one? Uh, you know what? I, I really like Colorado, how they've been playing. I think St. Louis was – or excuse me, I think San Jose was – a little bit lucky to make it out of that Vegas series. Now, granted, that's what the playoffs are all about, keeping it together. I love Colorado, how they're playing. They're buzzing. They're fast. They got a good goalie. That top line is deadly. I think they finish them off. I think they finish them quick, too. I'm going to take Colorado in five. God, I love it when we finally disagree because we never disagree. <laughs> I'm riding my 16-1 to future that I played on the Sharks. I had oh, them that's lose. right. Yeah, yeah. I had them losing to Vegas, but I got $1,000 at the end of the tunnel here if the Sharks find a way to win the Cup. I think Martin Jones finally got his shit together. And I think yeah, that's been did. the missing piece. Martin Jones was an absolute buzzsaw with the year that the Sharks went to the finals and ended up losing to the Penguins. Um, and I think Martin Shaw's found his game. I like what Colorado is doing. I think that the absolute dramatics of Game 7 is going to help San Jose in this situation as opposed to hurt them, even though they played a couple overtime games and they played deep into Game 7. 
Um, but I, I just, I like the Sharks back end too much. Carlson, Vlasic, Burns. I think if Jones can play good enough and they can rally around Pavelski, it's still yet to see whether he's going to return or kind of what's going on. Playoff hockey, I think he'll be back at some point in the series. But if you get guys like Tomas, like Tomas Hurdle, um, you know, who can show up and score big goals at big times, I'm going to take the Sharks in seven. I think this is going to go all the way again. And you're going to have one tired fucking San Jose team in the third yeah. round. <laughs> but I think the Sharks find a way to get it done. But I think you're going to see the magic of Colorado. You're going to see the McKinnon show get put on a few games here. You're going to see Kale McCarr continue to establish himself as a future star in this league. I do like the way that Grubauer is playing. But I'm going to ride my boys and ride it all the way. I'm taking San Jose in seven. I like that pick. Uh, I, I, I mean – once you get into this round, right, a lot of these are kind of pickums, <laughs> you know, just because of the craziness, the craziness of the first round. It's like how we're picking right now, we, we don't know what the hell we're talking about. So, and the East is, in my opinion, just as crazy. Fake it till you make it, brother. Absolutely. That way we can say it. We can, That's why, that's what fucking pisses me off about some of these other, I'm not going to name names. I will hear it a little bit when we talk about this Boston series, but like, you hear analysts who just dig themselves like the way they the way they try to analyze series, it makes me so mad to where no matter what team wins, they can say they were right. It just pisses me off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they talk about the pros of each team, and then they after they said, "See, I told you." Yeah, they're like, "Well, I think this team's gonna win, but if the other team's goaltender gets hot and they score more goals, I don't know. They might do. They might do it, and then that happens. They're like, "I told you. If I said A and B happened, then they'd win the series." Fuck off. Pick a team and fucking stick to it. Like I said, it sucks that you and I only got two and three series right, respectively. But who the fuck saw what was going on? At least you and I can admit that we were wrong. You know what I mean? Well, we've been, we've been wrong all season. So, like, that's nothing new, right? Like, right. it's no big deal. We're allowed to be wrong here. You want to talk about the soda trends in the Midwest area? I'll make sure I'm right about that. That's what I get paid to do. I was going to say, yeah, they get paid <laughs> for that, right? So... I get you need a you need a nice Mountain Dew ice shipper placed in your office. You can call your boy and I'll come place that shit. That's what I get paid to do. This what's is out inc- here. What's incredible about these analysts too is like when they're wrong and they're dead wrong, like what they all were with the jackets and Tampa. Rather than just admitting that was a crazy series, nobody predicted it. They're trying to explain how like ah Tampa, no Kucherov game three. Uh, you know I think if they got another shot and they kind of warmed up to it, they would have played a lot better. It's like dude. Just admit that you, you know, that this was completely uh, the craziest thing you've ever seen, and that you were wrong. Yeah, like, you, you were don't fucking wrong. Justify. Yeah, it's yeah. unbelievable. So now we get into the two series in the East, and both are ridiculous because you have a team that just played a seven-game series playing against a team that's coming off a sweep. So right. we're obviously going to end with the Jacket series, who are now down one nothing. But that's the one that I feel like we're going to have the longest debate about: the Hurricanes and Islanders. Wow. Talk about a series I don't even really want to watch, but (laughs) I'm going to have to because they're one of the four games that's left. But Jesus Christ, do you think everybody at NBC is fucking kicking themselves? Like, really? Oh, NBC in general has got to be looking at this playoffs. We could have had Washington, Pittsburgh, and we got Carolina Islanders. (laughs) (laughs) What the The hell? NBC probably is looking at this lineup saying they couldn't think of anything worse than this. Like, if Boston wasn't here, like, they didn't even get Toronto. They got Boston. Losing which maybe, 
alternate universe right now. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's the fucking Hurricanes and the Islanders. Also, did you see some of the pictures that got sent out about how brutal the Islanders arena is in Brooklyn? About how you can't even see the ice from some of the seats? Uh, At the Barclays? Yeah, it's unbelievable. If you sit on one end where the nets are, you literally can't see past the blue line in on the near side. And these are like hundreds (laughs) of – like, are you fucking serious? Just and I'll give I'll give the Islanders credit. They were nuts at yeah. at the Coliseum, and I will give them all the fucking credit in the world. That sounded like a college football game. Like they were going yeah, fucking did, right. bananas the whole series. So I give them a lot of credit for how loud they were, and I think it's great. I mean, anytime you see, and they're not a small market as much as everyone says it is. And I hate Islander fans. They're a division rival, and I think they're all scumbags. But Still, it's good to see a team of teams fans show out, and I think they made a difference because they were fucking nuts at both home games. So give them a lot of credit, and they're only going to continue it in as the Hurricanes and their 19 new fans come in. But, man, what a boring fucking series this is about to be. And I love this sport, and I have no problem fucking saying that. But that said, who do you like? I'm <laughs> <laughs> I will say this, like, I mean, first off, these two teams, like you were saying, NBC's hating this. It's not the powerhouse teams. To be fair, man, the Islanders, in my opinion, are a fun team to watch, uh, uh, you know, just because of the trots factor, which we kind of touched on. Uh, for whatever reason, I enjoy I enjoy watching them a little bit. I'm not I do not like watching Carolina. I haven't liked watching them all season. I they used to run that damn neutral zone trap. Uh, that would made them the worst team in the NHL to play against, especially when you were a skilled team. It was just a pain in the ass to watch. You almost always won. But I, I like the Islanders a lot in this series. Uh, I, I actually I picked, them in, I picked them in five. I think, I think they're a faster team. I think they're a more skilled team, and I love the Barry Trotz factor. So I'll take them, and I think it's going to be a quick series. Oh, once again, we get to disagree. I love nice. it so much. I know. I love it. Um, so a couple things here. Uh, the Hurricanes should have lost Game 7, and there's yeah. no arguing about it. If Holpe doesn't have the worst game of his career, Carolina's not even in this series, and I'm talking about Washington winning in four games. But it's the Hurricanes. I give them a lot of credit. They came back from down 2 nothing in the series. They came back from down 3-2 in the series. They came back from two two-goal deficits in Game 7 to force OT, and then once they got into overtime, they had all the momentum. They found a way to win. I think what Justin Williams is doing is incredible. Uh, you do not see this that often where these veteran guys, these Joe Thornton type guys, Justin Williams type guys, because it's such a young man's league at this point. Um, I hear what you're saying, but did you know, and I'm going to, I'm only saying this because I'm going to completely contradict myself in about five minutes, but did you know three times in NHL history, a team playing seven game series, playing against a team with a sweep the round before, the team that played the seven-game series won all three times. Mm. I think the Hurricanes are going to come into this with a little bit more momentum because no one expects them to be there. I think the Islanders beating Pittsburgh had a little bit more was – was still surprising, but a little bit less surprising. And I think the Hurricanes are going to run through the same adversity that they ran through in Series 1. I think the Islanders will take, if not both, at least one of the games at home. Um, and, but I think the Hurricanes are going to find a way to do it. I just really do. They're one of those teams where last night, watching them play, you're going, this team deserves to fucking lose, but it's going to find a way to win. And I always feel that way when I bet money on the opposing team because that's the way that it seems to work. But, like, 
Carolina just has this buzz around them. And I cannot stand the way the Islanders play and the way they trap in the neutral zone and the way that they just keep everybody to the outside. It's so fucking boring. So honestly, the reason why I'm rooting for Carolina is because I don't want this system that Trotz is running to become mainstream because it's so goddamn boring. This is going to be so many low-scoring games for Mrazek versus Leonard. Also, Leonard is oozing with fucking confidence right now, too. His post-game interview at the end of Game 4 was fucking savage. They were texting – the interviewer was like, you just beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. They've won two cups the last three years. You just swept them in four games. How surprised would you have been if I would have told you before Game 1 you were going to sweep this team? And He was like, not at all. This team's really fucking good. And, like, (laughs) we know we're really good. So, like, that's good to hear from your goaltender. My issue with Carolina is headlined by Dougie Hamilton because Dougie Hamilton may be the biggest pussy in the entire NHL. And it's unbelievable the times that he was exploited. I don't know how they got out of that series the way he played. And I'm going to let my boy Drew Gulak explain how I feel about Dougie (laughs) Hamilton. There is only one word to describe you and I am going to spell it out for you. Yeah, there, I said it. He's fucking soft. And if the Hurricanes want to advance, this is a goddamn tough, physical, man sport. Dougie Hamilton better get challenged by one of his teammates. And I'm hoping it's Justin Williams, who's like, look, we we fucking escaped round one. And you got embarrassed on a national level multiple times. Dude, he got walked. Walked (laughs) by Ovechkin. Oh, my. And then there's something about him. He, like, doesn't. He doesn't even get upset. Like, you don't even see any emotion out of him after getting walked. Like, he should have got undressed and gone to the locker room and thought about what just happened. Uh, it's embarrassing is really what it is. But I just think this Hurricanes team has some weird fucking aura about them. I think they're going to get it done. And I'm just rooting against the Islanders at this point. So, I love Difference Makers. It's going to make the next episode even more exciting because maybe one of us will actually win a bunch of these. But yeah. <laughs> I'm taking the Hurricanes in seven. I think it's going to be another magical series. I think you're going to see a lot of adversity, a lot of boring fucking hockey. And if you're trying to get somebody invested into the sport, this is not the series to show them. This is the antithesis of Vegas versus San Jose. This is a fucking curling match on ice skates. It's going to be, well, actually, I guess chess would probably be a better a better metaphor. But I think the Hurricanes just find a way to do it. I do think whichever one of these two teams wins gets their shit rocked in the finals. Well, that brings up then who you think they're going to be playing in the finals in this next series. And we already know the outcome of game one. I called this before tonight even happened. Yeah, you did. I called it on Twitter. So I'm going to have proof because I'm going to fucking – I'm never right when it comes to this stuff. This is exactly how I saw game one playing out. The Jackets are going to win this series in five. And I'm willing to put my mortgage on the line for it. (laughs) And you just might. You just might. I know. I said they were going to lose game one. I knew they were going to lose game one. You're playing a team that just got off a super emotional game seven, you know, seven game series, and you've been fucking hitting golf balls and practicing in front of 5,000 fans. You can't mimic the atmosphere of a playoff game in a practice. You just can't. Give the Jackets credit for getting this game to overtime. If Bobrovsky wouldn't have stood on his head, they might have lost by 10 goals. Yeah. But they found a way to get it to OT. Sucks that they lost. 
But I'm telling you, the Jackets going to win the next four games. They're going to win in five, and I'm going to laugh every dipshit from Boston out of their stupid-ass state. They can go put their Tom Brady jerseys on and drink their bullshit Boston lagers and suck my ass. I hate Boston with everything inside of me, <laughs> and I want the Jackets to pull this off so badly because I am so sick of how smug all these fucking Boston fans are. They're just the most spoiled fan base. And they're the fan base who, no matter what, even though one player on the team is not from Boston, for fuck's sake, Sean Corrali went to high school 10 minutes from my house. And right. he's one of your, and he's the guy that's leading the way on the grind line for the Bruins. I mean, they all act like they played on the team just because you're from this bullshit city that happens to sell good crab out of their food trucks. Fuck off. Let's go. Jack is <laughs> yeah, at five. I'm with you, man. I, I I don't know if I have that deep of a hatred for Boston, but it's like the little things, dude. You see, do you see Marshawn step on Atkinson's stick yeah. in overtime? Totally dude, okay. Like, yeah, what a, what a punk, dude. Just like snapping his stick, stepping on it right when the puck drops. Puck doesn't drop. If you haven't seen the clip, go look it up. That's the kind of shit that I just cannot stand about this team, and it represents exactly what their fans are like. I mean, I don't know if they're going to get done in five. I'm going to take the Jackets in seven, but I would be, love nothing more than for the next four games just to wipe them. Nothing pissed me off more. And I, I don't like to talk about Chicklets on here because I try to separate us from them, uh, even though they have a handful more viewers than us. But Just a couple. Yeah, yeah a couple few. I mean, we get guys that play in Europe and they get NHL Hall of Famers. That's what it is. But <laughs> R.A. saying that he thought the Columbus players – celebrated too hard after sweeping perhaps the greatest regular season team in the salary cap era made me want to pull my car over and put my fucking fist through the radio. That's got to be the stupidest fucking argument I've ever heard any human being ever say about why a hockey team is going to win a series and give him credit. He picks a, I mean, he picked the Canes. He picks a lot of oddball shit that ends up hitting. I think he exaggerates what he bets all the time, but he picks a lot of oddball shit. If you're going to pick the Bruins over the Jackets, and one of the reasons you're going to give is because they celebrated too hard, give me a fucking break. That's the first – the team's been around for like 20 years, and they yeah, finally they finally won their first playoff series. Like, you spoiled-ass fuck. This is a big deal to some people. You don't get to win a national title or a world championship. You don't get a Super Bowl every two years. You don't get an NBA championship every five years. That shit doesn't happen in every city. So to say that they celebrated too hard, like, dude, I live here. I take that shit near and dear. It was so sick to see how just amped. I'm not even a Jackets fan, but I live here. And, I and it's like game. celebrate too hard. Like you didn't see videos of them in the fountains. They weren't pulling an Ovi or, a, you know, a TJ Oshie drinking through their shirts. He's talking about like Matthew Shane waving his stick. It's for the crowd after, right, right after game four. They could, like, have been they could have been at our bar flipping tables for all I care. They knew they were going to get nine days off because the Leafs Bruins were going to go seven at least or go at least six. I think that's such a ridiculous bullshit argument for the sake of Columbus and just for the sake of the world because every team, every every Canadian and every American team is sick of Boston shit. And whether it's jealousy or hatred or whatever it is, they're sick of the Patriots. They're sick of the Celtics. They're sick of the Red Sox. And most importantly, they're sick of this bullshit-ass, classless Bruins team who just puts their fucking dirty noses and everything. I hope, for God's sakes, the Jackets end them. And the Jackets will become America and Canada's team if they find a way to pull this off. 
I called it before it happened. It's going to happen. They're going to lose game one. They're going to win the next four. Jackets in five. Fucking seal it up. He called it. I'm taking Jackets in seven. I think they get it done. I think the fact that they took it to overtime, like you said, uh, quite quite honestly, they were getting a little bit of a surge there at the end. And uh, I think they could have won that game. It was 2-1 with five minutes left. I mean, they were you know getting hounded all night. But it was you know that one nice cross-ice pass that goes in without that. I think we're looking at Jackets up one nothing. So man, I, I thought feel, that was offsides too. I and I know, dude, it was so close. He did drag the foot though. Uh, that'd have been so sick if it was off. So it was like four players that reacted to it too, and I was like, ah, I gotta play, gotta keep playing. It's I overtime. know, dude. Honestly, they scored because Wierenski stuck his hand up rather than following there. So yeah, lost his guy. guy. It's just yep. It is what it is. The Bruins have a really good team. I just fucking hate that city, and I hate that <laughs> franchise. I really do. I mean, they swept the Penguins back in 2013, I want to say. It was the last time the Penguins got swept. I just don't like them. I think that they have a lot of classless bullshit that goes on. They have good players, and that whole it's not fair to single out a guy like Patrice Bergeron who wouldn't kill a fucking beetle and say, you know, and to group him in with like a Brad Marchand or some of the other shit these guys pull. And I also really like Corrali, too. I mean, like I said, he's a Columbus boy who literally went to high school 10 minutes from where I live. So, uh-huh. you know what's funny? My fiance told me something today. She was watching the news. I think it was the news. And they were talking to Sean Corrali's parents. And they asked them which jersey they were going to wear. Whether they were going to wear a Jackets jersey or a Bruins jersey. Is that not the top five stupidest questions in the history of the world? You know the perfect answer, Ben, if they wore his uh, AAA Jackets jersey? It's got his name on the back, but it's <laughs> right. a Columbus Blue Jackets jersey. That would have been – if they could pull that off, I'd be impressed. I was fucking losing it. Like, oh, well, I know that I know that our son plays for the Bruins, but we grew – I mean, we're going to root for the hometown <laughs> team. I mean, what a fucking stupid question. My God. But it's been an incredible playoffs, and I just think it's it, – it's just going to continue to get ridiculous. Like I said, I mean, all the series are going to be fun to watch except for this Carolina series. I honestly feel like it's going to be a fucking bore. Um, just like the way the Islanders, the Islanders Penguins series was the Islanders shut down everything. It was boring hockey, but it wins. So I just think everything is it's nobody could have predicted what was going to happen in this first round. And that is why this is the best sport on earth. There's no other reason why no other major sport, is susceptible to this many upsets, except for maybe like March Madness. But yeah, still, but even like March Madness, like game. you got to get to like that. Yeah, in seven games, that would never happen. And for March Madness, you got to get to like that Sweet Sixteen level, like before stuff starts getting this crazy. Plus, there's 82 regular season games to separate these teams, and then you see that you can completely throw it out the window. This is, I mean, this is just nuts. Parity is at an all time high. I personally love it. I know I've been hearing some people say, you know, you need to reward the teams that are good during the regular season. I say to hell with it. This is fun. Reward them how? They are rewarded. You play a shittier team. Fucking yeah. beat them. Yeah, I guess, you know, with the whole salary cap and trying to create this parity, the fact that the ice, you know, I heard, for example, like the nets need to be bigger. Ice needs to be wider just to really favor the skilled teams. Ugh. Please don't make the <laughs> nets bigger. Before I know, you, I'm with you. Before you know, we're shooting into soccer nets. And, like, it's – I just think it's stupid. There's plenty of scoring. Just learn to respect the defensive aspect of the game. And you can't make the goalie's equipment smaller either because now you're risking injuries. Like, yeah, with the, the way that these guys shoot. Yeah, dude, when they're shooting, they're snapping them 100 miles an hour. Like, it's nothing with these wet noodle sticks that they're allowed to use. It's unbelievable. But Dumb. I do think the biggest impact from the first round, just kind of recapping, is I do believe this is the year – 
that you see the replay rule get instated on major penalties. So it sucks that Joe Pavelski had to die for all this to happen. <laughs> but some good will come out of it. They found a way to get through, and I think that that play is going to be what they lean on to get them into the next round. So it's going to be an unbelievable second round. Um, is it still 1-1 in that St. Louis game? Uh, I think so. Well, I don't not know. cheating in that one, but the Bruins have gotten off to a one nothing lead. Islanders, Hurricanes, Sharks, Avs play on Friday night when this episode will be released. 2-1. 2-1 St. Louis. Oh, even better. That look, that makes us look better since we called St. Yeah, Louis you're before right. it even happened. Yeah. I love it. So, man, I appreciate <laughs> you coming on once again. Like I said, what a fucking ride it's been. Um, who the fuck knows when the next episode will come out? Whatever we feel like it. How about that? Yeah, something big happens. A major penalty happens. We'll be on. Joe Baby. Pavelski fucking breaks another helmet and be- loses another helmet endorsement, and we'll, we'll call it all together. Yeah, yeah, we'll be at his funeral doing it, so. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it. Like I said, best of luck to your jackets. For God's sakes, please have them pull this off. <laughs> Absolutely. They need all the luck they can get, so if you could start betting on the Bruins, that'd be very helpful. Every game betting the Bruins. Don't you worry. <laughs> awesome, man. All right, I'll talk to you later. See you, buddy. la 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 la